I know it's been a while, but I am back. I am accompanied on today's episode of Locked on Devils with Jersey Joe and also Jake Wakely. Now, Jake and Joe have done shows previously on Locked on Devils, but we've never done a three-way crossover. I hope you guys enjoy part one of this two-part series. There's a lot to discuss with Jake and Joe, so without further ado, buckle up, everybody. You're Locked on Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. Scores! Oh, Steven stepped up, nailed him. Rodora's got the puck. What a shot. The Devils win the Stanley Cup. All righty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Chalky, play-by-play announcer, Devils Ride for Pucks and Pitchforks, and also part-time credentialed media member, Trey Matthews. We got some special guests in the house. So first and foremost, we got recurring guest, Jersey Joe. Jersey Joe, it seems like you appear on the show every single week. Love to have you back. <laughs> I, I don't even pay to be on this podcast, yet I'm on here so much. Because <laughs> he loves me so much. So our friendship is, is that important. <laughs> and also... Jake Wakely. Jake, it's been a while since you've appeared on the show. I know you and Jersey Joe um, have done uh, collaborations in the past, but this is the first time that I've got both of you here because I've had both of you on separate, but now all three of us are chatting at once. So guys, uh, we're less than two weeks away from the trade deadline. But before we uh, talk about silly season and things of that nature, Jake, um, the last time I spoke to you was over the course of the summer. I want to get your thoughts on the devil season this uh, so far, because the one thing I say about them is that they surprise a lot of people, but the one thing I'm not really convinced is that they can hoist the Stanley cup at the end of the year. I think they're still maybe a year or two away from that, but they can make, they're certainly going to make the playoffs and they're going to uh, make a legitimate run. I think the ultimate goal for them get out of the first round and then go from there. But I want to hear your thoughts. What what are your thoughts been throughout the entirety of the season, whether it's certain players stepping up, uh, the overall team performance, and I'm just curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I'll start at the start of the season, and then I'll kind of just kind of pick parts of the season and whatnot. So at the start of the season, obviously, we kicked off in Philadelphia, and, uh, you know, um, things didn't go as uh, I think we expected. And then we got, I think, run out of the building a couple nights later by Detroit. Uh, the fire Lindy chance obviously started because I think fans were starting to grow frustrated, like wondering, okay, when's this uh, so-called retool and rebuild going to end? It just seems like it's never ending. You know, and then uh, I know Anaheim wasn't expected to be good this season, but um, it just, I think Nico Heacher said it too. And I, like, I noticed it as well, like at that game and after it just seemed like the devils were a completely different team. Um, you know, they went on that 13 game heater as you know, Jack Hughes likes to call it. But um, no, I think, I think the biggest thing for the devils though, is like a couple of years ago, like, you know, when Ray Shiro had the team and he took over um, the coverage were kind of bare as uh, Jersey Joe and I would like to call it. And you got to restock your uh, your farm system and your prospect pool. And doing that is by bringing in certain players and then shipping them out at the deadline and getting draft picks because draft picks either lead to prospects or can use to be as assets and trades. And 
the devils did that they were bad for you know i'm besides the one year i'm gonna say from 2013 until this year they had the one year that i think nobody expected them to even be in the playoffs and then they lost to tampa in five games but you know um fitzy took over and he had a plan he was gonna you know if he got offers that he couldn't refuse and it would help the hockey team not only now and in the long run then he would do it whereas you know shiro just kind of always was it felt like he was always swinging for the fences like he always always make that big move and i mean that's exciting for fans but it just seemed like there was never a concrete plan in place um, ownership and the management seemed like they were on two different opinions how they wanted to build this team and then fitzy comes in and he establishes this plan and it was we're going to let the kids play we're going to let them develop at their own pace and when Jack and Nico take off, then we're all going to take off. And then that's when we start adding. And then you've seen the breakthrough of Jack Hughes, obviously, last year. Um, Nico Heischer was trending in that direction. And he's obviously taken that step forward this year. I think he's on pace for like 76 or 77 points. Well, Jack's on pace for 50-plus goals and over 100 points, which would be the first player in Devils history to eclipse both of those marks. But, you know, and then the offseason rolled around and uh, everybody was hell-bent on Johnny Goudreau and whatnot. I think we all were. I'm not going to lie about that. And then, obviously, you know, he, he chose to sign in Columbus over here. And everybody wondered when Andre Platt was um, signed here for, I think it was $5 million over five years. People were like, okay, like, seems like a little too much on the money side, but you know, that's free agency and that's the nature of the game. You always got to overpay to get somebody to come play for you. It's just no matter how you look at it. But I think looking at it, Palat was probably a better addition than Johnny Goudreau would have been because he brings that Stanley Cup experience and a veteran experience. I mean, I understand what you mean, like skill-wise, Johnny Goudreau, yeah. But I think what Palat brings, the Devils didn't have that guy that's been there he's he knows what it takes to win in the dressing room and I think that goes a long way for those kids but I think the biggest difference for the Devils this year is like you know they've they're adapting to the system they're playing they're knowing now what it takes to win hockey games and close out hockey games like whereas two three years ago the games they were down to nothing it was like okay well game's over now they're not coming back in this well now they go down two 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 one or three one it's like Man, they're not even out of this yet. Let's just stay tuned here until the final buzzer. But I, I really think the biggest thing this year is uh, the change in the coaching staff. I think Brunette played a big part uh, for the forwards. Um, Freeland's definitely helped. I've been preaching for that guy to be an assistant coach for years. And, you know, the defense has run better. But I think the biggest thing has been the play of Vitek Vanacek. I just think the Devils, you know, they took a gamble on this one, on one of the Washington goalies. The numbers were there. And, you know, he's, he's, he's had a great year, Like he had a good year in Washington, but he's, they, I, I didn't get to watch a lot of Washington games before, but I, I knew he was good, but I didn't think he was like this good. Like he's, I think fans, he's a fan favorite, obviously, but he gives the devils a chance to win every single night and he keeps them in hockey games. And that's not something we have seen in a long time. So. Yeah. I mean, it was a, uh... 
it, it's definitely a breath of fresh air. And Jersey Joe, I have a similar but different question for you. So All right. given how the Devils have been playing the last few games, we've seen how they've been playing without the services of Jack Hughes. Obviously, he just uh, made uh, his appearance back from injury. I felt as though it was just uh, precautionary. <clears throat> like maybe he was like 90 or 95% to go. And maybe they just held him out because it's like, it's not must win territory. Like if it was the playoffs or the devils were like in very desperate need of a win, they would have played him. But then you saw him return against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Devils were able to like have new life. And then obviously they just played the Winnipeg Jets. So I want to hear your thoughts. Like these last few games, given how well the devils have been playing and the trade deadline is fast approaching. What's the mindset for the devils? Well, first off, the mindset is let's just Sasquatch more games like this with or without our best players. And also, like, this team is so resilient and exciting that they, like Jake said, they played till the final buzzer. And in the art of war, I told you before, if it's the not the fault of the soldier, it's the fault of the general. And the Devils have multiple generals and staff members that have held this team accountable. And even I kind of disagree with uh, the Siegenthaler benching last night and the be and the benching of Bastion. We're, we're uh, going to talk more about there, that momentarily. Go ahead. But anyways, you know, when you hold players accountable and coaches are held accountable, it's it's like a playoff atmosphere every single day. And the way they played against Pittsburgh made me think about, like, what this team could be, you know, beating up on the more average teams that are fringe teams to make the playoffs. And then you beat a team like the Jets, who are one of the best in the West. Not to just sound like a rapper, but like really the Devils have that, you know, that sense of urgency. We're gonna we're gonna have our fans get really bananas. Like this is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Because last night I heard that crowd for the first time in a while since maybe that Ranger game get berserk after every goal. And I was underneath my Sasquatch squad account, uh, putting this Gwen Stefani memes and uh, a couple of Chris Farley stuff after that. But um, I had to make some stuff, uh, I mean, behind the scenes and on Twitter more fun because it's not just, you know, on the ice, it's also off the ice that this team is freaking amazing. And, you and I are feeding off it too. Yeah, and we're getting a lot of slack for it as well uh, because uh, without going into too much detail, uh, Jake, you <laughs> would say? Yeah, I, I just want to I want to um, kind of chime in on what Joe just said. I 100% agree with that. I think um, on, a, on and off ice chemistry goes a long way in building a Stanley Cup team. I think the bond you, um, the bond you get and you um, – you make with your brothers that you go to war with every day, it goes a long way because you're battling with those guys, bumps and bruises and in the trenches. And, you know, we've seen that in devil's championship teams in the past, you know, like 95, like they weren't like, uh, I think Bruce driver said on your episode with him, trade is that nobody expected us to go to the finals, but we said unsung heroes, like, you know, Randy McKay and um, Bobby Holik and Claude, the Mew step up. And it just, everybody just clicked off it. And it's little things like that. You have certain guys you don't expect to step up in the playoffs. And as you go down the stretch here, it goes a long way. And 
it's better to, you know, be hot going into the playoffs than it is to be cold. Like we saw that in 2012, the Devils won six in a row going into the playoffs. And then they just, once they got out of that Florida series, they just steamrolled their way to the Stanley Cup finals. Right. And um, we'll go I was ahead. there. I was at that, um, that yeah. series when the Devils were playing a home game against the Panthers. And I remember Scott Clemenson was in net. And I remember Parise, Kovalchuk, we're all having a blast on a freaking power play. I was in section 233 starting a Scotty, Scotty. And then in section 232 and 231, they started the Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. And that whole arena, that series started taking over. And the Montgomery drumline was freaking phenomenal throughout the playoffs. Uh, it was a freaking like awesome atmosphere and i want that to come back uh and i, with I want to i want to point out to that too joe is that i seen uh i seen a video last night that somebody posted and you know i think it was a guy in the reverse retro jersey he had the mustache he was trying he was in the like stands like he was trying to get people going and whatnot and like i, I was saying to my buddy uh connor um you know he's a habs fan and whatnot but he um he was saying we agreed like the Devils fan base is very underrated, but they only like the building sells out when they're good. But he was saying like it's it's fans like Trey, you and myself that have watched them through the bad times and the good times, and we've stuck through them. And like that's the real dedication of a real fan. You know what I mean? Like you can tell who the real fans are and who the real fans aren't too, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I've been doing this show for like two two years and however months. And uh, I, I know how hard it is to cover a team when they lose consistently. Like, because uh, I know like my fans, my audience, they don't want to listen to me going like, oh, the devils suck. Oh, the devils are this, <laughs> the devils are that. No one wants to listen to that. I don't want to listen to that. So it's like, I got to find ways to make it more entertaining. And do I, and during the course of the off season, like it's one of the reasons why silly season is so, uh, popular when I do it uh, during the summer months because this was before the Devils became good. It was just like, yeah, I upsell the team. Yeah, I'm putting out outlandish trade packages or maybe I'm mentioning free agents that probably have no interest in signing with the Devils. But at the same time, do I upsell my team? Yes. But at the same time, I I'm speaking as a fan myself. It's just like, wouldn't it be cool? Like, just, just bear with me. Wouldn't it be cool if this player went to the Devils and I was right with one of them, uh, Dougie Hamilton. I was right with Vitek Banachek. Um, you know, it's just like, it, it's just like, it, it's supposed to be entertaining. It's supposed to be fun. And at the end of the day, like we all know that the, that the devils have gone through a lot. And uh, luckily, uh, like I said, I've only been covering this team for, for two or so years and I, I'm getting lucky that they're really good right now, but it's definitely a lot more fun to cover the team when they're winning as opposed to losing. And, it, and, you know, but it, it's definitely a good challenge to have because I remember uh, just a few months ago, or maybe a month or so ago when I was going to the Prudential Center consistently as a credential media member, the Devils were losing. Like, and I'm just like, of all the times for them to go on a cold streak, of all the times, but find a way to make it more entertaining. Like, just ask Mackenzie Blackwood if if there's any added pressure on him because he's on probably on trade watch or uh, asked Damon Severson about his costly turnover that uh, costed the Devils a game when they played against the Philadelphia Flyers. But yeah, and and also going to what you said about like what happens on Twitter, wherever the case might be, there's a lot of Devils 
media personalities out there. You know, Jersey Joe, you got your Sasquatch squad. Uh, Jake, it seems like you send me a new thing every single day in regards to like the team or the trades or whatever the case might be, which I actually do use on my show quite frequently. So I want to thank you for that. And then obviously I do do a lot of trolling or that kind of thing. On my <laughs> I do do a lot of trolling and sometimes it irks my colleagues uh, over at Locked On, but I don't care. They, I, this is what my audience wants to see. So it's just like, uh, and and I think we can all agree to this because we talked about this uh, before we hit record, but there was a certain Sharks media uh, source that just just totally angered the entire devil's discourse and all hell broke loose. And I know that guy. All and I may have, I may or may not have added fuel to the fire and said, like, I haven't moved the needle, really? Or like no one cares about the devils. Um give me fuel, give me fire. I want that freaking goddamn Timo Meyer. Yeah, that's what we're gonna talk about. Okay, Jake, what are your thoughts on Timo Meyer? Let's just Let's just focus on Timo Meyer solely before we talk about backup plans because we've seen the Rangers make a move. We've seen the New York Islanders make a move. The the Maple Leafs get uh, Ryan O'Reilly, and now it seems like it's the Devils' turn to make a move. And the the key player that everyone is talking about is Timo Meyer because let's face it, the Devils have the prospects. They own their first round pick, and they have some solid contributors on their team, whether it's Yegor Sharangovich. Or maybe Miles Wood, Damon Severson, Mackenzie Blackwood. Worst comes to worst, maybe Tom Fitzgerald would offer Dawson Mercer. I've just, I, I'm just, I'm not saying I would. I'm not saying I would. I cannot reiterate that enough. But it seems like Dawson Mercer's name has been brought up just a little bit. But the main selling point might be Alexander Holtz, another prospect, and that first round pick. Give me your thoughts on Timo Meyer. Okay, so before I give you my thoughts, I'm gonna give a quick shout out here to. Uh... Jim Berenger, because uh, Jim's Jim's my guy. Jim works very hard on what he does. Um, you know, I try to help him out, try and get some people to, you know, give him credit where it's due, because he does a lot of hard work to find out a lot of this information, you know, not only for me, but for all the fans. And um, obviously, and uh, David Pagnota from the fourth period, because uh, uh, Jim actually – I uh, was talking with him earlier. He sent me a little uh, message. Him and I were talking back and forth. And, um, you know, I'm just going to – I'm going to start at the 32 thoughts from this morning, and then I'll get into what Jim obviously uh, relayed to me. So, yeah, everything I I see and I'm told is, like Jeff Merrick said, it, it definitely seems like New Jersey is where this is going to go. They – I haven't heard otherwise, but teams like, you know, Vegas with Mark Stone on IR and Carolina and stuff like Carolina is New Jersey's biggest threat in this. There's no doubt about that. And That's I just want to say, I just want to say, if the Carolina Hurricanes get Timo Meyer, I will be pissed off. I will be like so pissed off because that cannot happen. If if they miss out on Timo Meyer and he goes to the Carolina Hurricanes, Devils have to make another move ASAP because your rivals are making moves. You got to make a move. However, yeah, if, he goes, if he goes to like Vegas or well, I'm just going to say a random team, like the Dallas stars Buffalo. or something like that, you know, I'm not, I'm not really going to be too ticked off about it because it's like, okay, it's not a devil's rival. It's a different team in a different division. Don't need to worry about that. But uh, as you, as you were saying. 
Yeah, so, I mean, Jim was at the game there, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple nights ago, and he said, like, the fans in the arena are desperate. Like, they want Timo Meyer. Like, obviously, we've seen the chance break out. During the national anthem, Timo, nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. Timo not only fits, like, a need for the Devils, because, like, let's face it, the Devils could afford to add some sides. And Timo not only brings that, but he also brings a guy, a power forward style, where, you know, he can score off the rush. He's de- he's not afraid to drop his shoulder and drive the net. Like, it's something that we don't, we don't see so much with some guys on the Devils. Um, you know, you need – I've always had the saying, like, you know, and I, I, I believe in it still to a certain extent. The small guys will get you there, but the big guys keep you there. And, you know, playoff hockey is a physical game, and uh, a guy like Timo would definitely uh, better the Devils' chances uh, facing the Rangers in the first round. Just and what he brings, and the Devils need him. Like, it's not like they want him. They want him. I think they need him. But they won't do – they want the extension in place, but what I've, what I agree on with what, you know, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman said was Mike Greer's playing this slow. So he wants to get all his offers on the table from every team. And then he wants to narrow it down and say, okay, this is what we're looking at. Okay. We really like New Jersey's offer. Let's say hypothetically, we're going to take it. Now we're going to get in contact with Claude Lemieux and say, Okay, we're taking New Jersey. We want to accept New Jersey's offer. You now have our permission to seek out a contract extension if that's what you want to do. If not, we'll move forward and, you know, make the trade or not make the trade. But, yeah, it's it's slowed down a bit over the weekend, but um, talks are slowly starting to intensify as um, Mr. Pagnota uh, reported from the fourth period. But, you know, they like they need to get him. It just seems like, you know, the Islanders added Horvath, the Rangers added Tarasenko. Everybody in – even if the Islanders miss the playoffs, everybody in the division right now of our two biggest rivals besides the Flyers got better. We haven't done nothing yet. And, yeah, and to add on to that, like, I know we're talking about our division rivals, but the Toronto Maple Leafs were in the running for – uh, Timo Meyer, and now since they got Ryan O'Reilly, that uh, by default puts them out of the race. So it's like yeah. it's there for the Devils. And I just said they have the assets. And you might, and the one thing I'm saying is like, you know, trade any prospect not named Luke Hughes or Shimon Nemetz. If I had to pick one or the other, Jersey Joe's going to kill me for this. I want you guys to snack a little healthier. So I'm going to tell you about Bilt Bar. So looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories, you got to try a Bilt Bar. I know during the holiday season, your New Year's resolution was to eat happier and eat healthier. So you got to try Bilt. With Bilt, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't even think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolutions. What makes Bilt Bar so good? Well, for stars, are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. 
I'm not sure how Bill does it, but somehow, some way, only 130 calories and four grams of sugars with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Bill bars at Bill.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head over to the nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Bill bars. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13 bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. And now, do you want to make some extra money? I know I certainly do. So I'm going to tell you about FanDuel. So the midway point of the NBA season is here. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because our new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from money line to point scores and three-pointers drain. So go Lakers. Hopefully they can get into that play-in position. So you know the drill. Head over to our friends at Locked On Bets for all your betting needs there as well. And make sure you always gamble responsibly. Maybe you have to consider Shimon the Mets because I don't think Luke – I think Luke Hughes, 100%, they won't even look at that. They, they don't want to – they're not going to entertain that. But I think if you had to pick between Shimon the Mets and Luke Hughes, you might have to go with Shimon. Now, yeah, I, I like I said, I, I'm just trying to make it perfectly clear because I don't want to end up like uh, those two Sharks um, media personalities um, and, and basically have all of the discourse come at me. But um, I, I'm just saying, like, maybe you look at it. What are your thoughts on it? Because I know you're high on Shimon the Mets. That's your guy. Yeah, I mean, look, you're you're gonna have to like give the Devils one of Timo Meyer. You're gonna have to give us Kevin LeBanc easily, and maybe their 2024 first round pick if you want Shimo Nemes that badly. It's gonna it's gonna hurt the Sharks to ask for Nemes, and the Devils are gonna want something back as. A consolation they get prize. Timo Meyer. They would get Timo Meyer. Right. Well, first off, you're not just going to get your hands on uh, Nemets that easy. So okay. if you want to give, you got to get. So you got to have skin in the game. So if you want to really get a top defenseman like Nemets, you really have to pony up a little extra. I'm sorry. You're not going to have short hands reaching your wallet. <laughs> but you have to have longer hands to get to that wall to pay up to the doubles too. So it's not just going to be like, we're going to fall one right-handed defenseman short. So that's okay. where I'm coming from. Okay. So basically Shimon and the Mets off the table, no matter what, and the Sharks would have to offer their 2024 first round pick you're saying, which yeah. I don't think, I don't think they would do because they're rebuilding. I don't think they want to get rid of uh first round draft picks, but uh, you, this leads into my next uh, talking point, and I want to start with Jake. What are you willing to give up? Like, who are you willing to give up in a Timo Meyer sweepstakes, and who is off the books? Because my thing is, like, the main priority for the Devils is how do you get Timo Meyer and also re-sign Jesper Bratt to a reasonable uh, deal? Um, I would not move Hughes or Nemetz, and Dawson Mercer is as untouchable as it gets for me. Like, I think that guy is perfect for the third line in the playoffs, what he brings. He's the type of guy, he's a playoff hockey hockey player. You can just tell. You could tell last night when he raced down the ice for that empty netter. Like, that was fantastic. But 
I think I would, I think there is a way for the Devils to do this without moving Alexander Holtz. But whether they decide they want to move him or not is a, is a different question. Um, just the way, you know, he's been handled and everything like that. Like, I think you're going to see, like, you're going to see a first for sure. Uh, you might see a guy like Shahir, Shakir Mukhamadoulin. And, you know, obviously Andreas Janssen's going to probably be in there because they're going to have, the Devils are going to want to get rid of his contract to even it out going back, I think, till the Sharks can add money, whatever, onto their onto the contracts work. And what's saying? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I, th- I think uh, Shakira Mukamadulin. Look, I know Jersey Joe. I know you're big on uh, Shakira as well. And honestly, a lot of us kind of forgot about Shakira Mukamadulin. He was a bit of a stretch back in the 2020 draft because I he did what go mid first round, which was the same draft of of what Dawson Mercer and Alexander Holtz. Yeah, and but Shakira Mukamadulin, we compared him to like Big Z. Could he be like, yeah, could he be yeah. like Tara? But the thing is like, look, I know you're big on prospects. You're because you're the prospects king when it comes to like devil's media. Like you love uh, looking at your prospects. You're the first one to know the name pronunciation before anyone else does. Like he knew how to pronounce, exactly. he knew how to pronounce Shimon Nemetz's name before the actual New Jersey devil's team, because when they drafted him, they said Simon Nemes or like something like that. Shimon Nemetz. Yeah, and then you said it was Shimon the Mets, and then Shimon the Mets himself said that's how you pronounce it. You don't – it's not Simon Nemitz or whatever because I would it's, say – That's too Anglo-Saxon for a European of his type. Right. And I know that because of the Polish side. Uh, it's very similar, but just the language tree is very much the same except for a few different things. Anyways, not to be off topic, but I do want to make my own package for – Timo Meyer, I would offer the 23 first. I would offer uh, if I'm not giving Holtz in there, I would throw in Arseny Gritsyuk. When is he going to come over? He's an untapped talent. And if I want to throw in Muhammad Dulin, I, I would I would happily do so. I mean I I, 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 I want to go on to based on what you said, didn't mean to interrupt you, but you said when he's he coming over. That's a good question for a lot of the prospects. When are they going to be given a, and even the ones who are in Utica right now, when are they going to be given a chance to showcase their talents? That's my thing. I mean, look, I'm sure San Jose has scouts in Russia and Muhammad Dulin's already made it clear that he's coming over to North America and a buddy on Twitter, Guadana, who's, in Russia, I kept tabs with him on uh, Telegram, and he had to translate uh, the whole article into English for me, and it confirmed what he said. So I'm going off what he did, and that's from what I heard. And I do believe that when you move on from Muhammad Dulin, you have Topias Vilen coming in uh, up the pipeline from Finland, who's also on it. Uh, not just an ELC, but it's a loan contract coming over from Finland and Lega. So uh, the Devils will be fine uh, taking a blow, moving a Muhammad Dulin contract. So then you keep Nemec, you keep Hughes. Uh, that will help you reduce the blow if they lose both uh, Severson and Graves over time. So this is where the whole cap management flexibility comes in. 
Does a guy like this one's kind of for Trey? Does a guy does um Kevin Ball could be in there? Um, you could see obviously Sharon Govich, Seamus Casey, Seamus Casey could be in there. Like there's there's so many Nolan Foot could be in there, and he's having a fantastic year in Utica. Like the way he's playing this year, he he is my potential replacement for third line left wing next year if he's not traded. Yeah, like, I mean he's been fantastic. Yeah, going based on what you said, Jake, it it doesn't just apply to like overseas talent; it applies to people in Utica because or uh, another player who I'm high on, but probably won't get an opportunity to showcase what he could do, Riley Walsh, because his line mate at Harvard was uh, Adam Fox. And who was Adam Fox's coach uh, when he first got to the NHL and basically uh, set the like set the world on fire or basically asserted himself? It was Lindy Ruff when Lindy Ruff was a, a defensive coach for the Rangers before coming over to the Devils to become the head coach. So I'm just like, it may be a bit of a stretch, but maybe if Riley Walsh was able to develop under the guidance and tutelage of Lindy Ruff, maybe you get a poor man's version of Adam Fox out of Riley Walsh since they were teammates at Harvard. But at the end of the day, the, uh, Riley Walsh is not going to be given an opportunity to showcase what he could do because you already got Jonas Siegenthaler, who we're going to talk about momentarily. Then you got, uh, obviously, the big names like Dougie Hamilton. Uh, Damon Severson is still up there. Uh, it seems like they're really big on Kevin Ball being given a chance. Um uh, Ryan Graves like there, there's so many like people in front of him that's he's not going to be given a fair chance like I'll I'll jump in back to that trade package to throw in Riley Walsh too I mean it just makes it easier for San Jose to say this is a little too good for us to not say yes to and you know you'd fill in like with Muhammad Doolin and Walsh you're already getting uh, two defensemen on each side and then you get – and if you do get Holtz in there, they're getting a right-handed shot who needs to develop with their team, uh, get more playing time in San Jose, just keep them up there. Um, I mean, you throw in – like Jake said, throwing that Andreas Janssen contract in there, uh, that helps reduce the uh, Timo Meyer contract. Even if you reduce – have San Jose take in 50% of Meyer's contract at $3 million, I mean – that is more rational than, you know, any other team could really offer, you know, someone's got to give to get, like I said before. And I did mention this on my podcast, uh, like a few days back. So really the Dells have nothing to lose. San Jose's got to stop playing the, uh, jerking around game, which I do not like. It reminds me of someone when I go on vacation, it reminds me of that person that takes a, a coffee break and you're supposed to be at that, uh, bike, Within 15 minutes, it reminds me of that person that's 15 minutes late all the time versus, you know, getting on your two wheels and going down the road. But to me, it always seems like uh, Greer is always on California time too much, and he needs to get on the East Coast time a little bit more.